welcome to our second episode of the Pathfinder podcast, where we talk to companies about their journey on adopting AI and data science into their business. Carrying on from our last episode, this week I caught up with David Bowe, a Monaghan native, about his company, 86 Software, who are using data science to help wholesalers retain their customers. In this interview, David talks about how data can be used to reduce churn rate and his journey in building a data analytics company. Before we get stuck into the interview, I'd like to give a shout out to our partners at the Data Value Hub who are running a launch event on the 13th of April in the Newmore Hotel in Carrickman Cross. The event is free, and if you're interested in attending, book your tickets at events at datavaluehub.com. Davis, thanks very much for joining us on our second podcast, looking at uses of AI and data science. Maybe you can tell us a bit about your company, 86, and what you do. Yeah, of course, definitely. So basically, 86 is a software tool that is built for wholesalers. And basically, what we do is we predict when any one of their customers looks like they're about to stop buying any one of their products. And basically, so what happened there was just, um, you know, my family business growing up was a, a wholesale food service company and my dad built the business for like 25 years up to being you know a decent size kind of locally but I'd say in the last kind of 15 years and stuff the wholesale industry has definitely moved towards economies of scale so like for our family business it was getting harder and harder for us to compete with kind of big rivals and stuff like that so I remember my dad came one year to me and he was kind of I was like dabbling into the software at the time and he was just wondering looking for a way to tell when any customer that hadn't ordered in the past week and so I was like trying to impress or whatever trying to like show off my new skills so went off and built like the first algorithm for the product like it was really something really sketchy and like glitchy and whatever but came back and showed it to him and I was kind of like you know it became like a, a bit of a thing so he's like okay let's let's go do this and that's where it started yeah so you built your first system there, right? Just basically to solve a basically your own problem in your family business. How does your service today compare to what that was? And, and how is it using data science to deliver that service to customers? Yeah, so obviously, like, look, that first version that was kind of hacked together over like maybe a month or something like that. Like, obviously, it's gotten a whole lot more complex since those early days, even though like the concept is still exactly the same. But yeah, like essentially what we do is, is offer data science because like, at the moment, what happens is like a sales rep's job is to make sure that their customers keep ordering. And so right now, what they have to do is go back through all past invoices to try and make sure that, you know, none of them drop off. So say, for example, I was talking to a customer the other week and uh, they were telling me that every month they have to go back and they print off 30 pages of every customer they have, every product that they buy and how much they spent in the last month, in the month before, and in the same month, the year previous. And they have to go through those 30 pages hundreds and hundreds of lines trying to work out okay has any one of these dropped off and if they have they'll highlight them give them a call and see if they can win the business back and i get that that like works for people but like you can do that instantly with data science it will work that stuff out instantly it will rank it to show you the one that's most important and it'll even like it'll tell you like six weeks in advance i've seen to what would normally like be a month a month and a half kind of working out so like for me it's a bit of a no-brainer to apply like data science to this kind of stuff you know so David, what you're describing is sounds very much like churn prediction. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Could you explain, so churn prediction has been something data scientists have been doing for a very long time. Could you explain, perhaps for a, a less technical audience, what churn prediction is? I do know that uh, when people look at these solutions, 
they are kind of overcome by the level of technical depth that's in it, which seems very unnecessary. But um, yeah, if you could basically explain that and also provide your own background as well as to how you got your head around it, because you don't come from a technical background yourself, am I right? No, not at all. I'm self-taught. But yeah, like churn, it's just a fancy word for somebody stopping buying, for a customer stopping buying. That's all it is. And like from my experience, I think it started from kind of like telecoms businesses and things like that, where it's like kind of contract focused. So they realized that they could teach a computer to recognize like some indicators that would you know show that a customer was probably unlikely to renew their contract. So basically they would have an algorithm then that would like recognize these indicators and then flag them up so then you know the the company could send them out an offer or they could give them a phone call and you know make sure that they obviously renewed their contract and so basically we're just doing you know essentially the same kind of thing except we're just applying it to the wholesale business which is like more transactional and repeat business based but like it's it's the same stuff you know okay that's great so people hear a lot about using data science in industry and in business the benefits of leveraging ai but they don't really hear much follow-up on actually what's the real value that's being delivered to to business yeah. so i'm just wondering like can you give us some type of metrics i say like how businesses have benefited from this in the past absolutely like the the thing i get all the time is real skepticism from people you know people every time i talk to them they're always like what do you have a crystal ball or something but basically i always like to say it like this i always ask people and it's a bit of a nasty question but i always ask like do you know how much business you lost last month and i've asked a lot of people this question and nobody ever has a real solid answer like some people have like some ballpark figures but nobody ever has anything solid and i just know for me like in my business if i don't have like a concrete number for something it always kind of hangs over me is a bit of a worry and so right now i know that looking at the customers that we work with that like generally about five percent of their sales are showing up as at risk every single month and now they have a number they have a line by line checklist that they can go through have i asked about this have i asked about this have i asked about this to make sure that that business keeps coming back and for me, it, it just makes sense. Like, why would you not want to have that kind of peace of mind whenever, you know, it's such a big thing in, in the industry, you know? That's really cool. So previously, they haven't had any type of insights of what type of... Um, that's a really interesting way of actually looking at it because, as you said, people feel like you're trying to sell a way of looking into the future, whereas the reality is that they don't actually have a way of looking into the past. All, all it is is visibility. Like, I think case in the wholesale industry, that they kind of have they've too much information, like they've too much data, do you know what I mean, for anybody to actually process. It's a case of being able to like really pare that down into what's important and then being able to understand it, yeah. So David, that's interesting to hear because that's, uh, we've had a few conversations lately with other companies where they've found that their problem was all the information that they need, they have to go looking for it. And it's buried, as you said, it's buried in, in so much other information that they'll spend all of their time doing that. Whereas what people are really looking for is a way for the information nearly to present itself to them and basically remove a lot of that labor's work in just looking first but i'm just curious as to like what we've noticed is because you're dealing with a lot of tradition more traditional style businesses yeah there can be a lot of internal obstacles for those businesses to basically adapt this type of, of approach i'm just curious is that what are the non-technical obstacles that you've hit with customers and how how do they get around that 
Yeah, like, so this is always the biggest one. So whenever we put a system in, you know, it'll show up results. And I always naively, I suppose, I always think the sales reps are going to love this, you know, that we're taking work off their plate. They're going to have more time to like get out there and like sell and bring more business in. But like generally, whenever this stuff comes in, they're normally a little bit wary of it. They feel like maybe it might be showing up a couple of things that they maybe don't want to. And so really it is like, it's up to the manager to really push it through. And it's not like it takes a huge amount of, effort from a manager or something like that it just takes them to like every month or so to to run down what's been shown up and just to ask a couple of questions based on it. and from that it's just it means reps need to pay attention and the thing is once people get over that hurdle like that first hurdle of the first month or two months or something like that of actually not being afraid of the system or whatever or what it's showing like now we have users like what puts me in a good mood now is talking to customers because they're absolutely like you know love the system do you know what I mean like but it's just that first barrier of trying to get them used to it yeah that's fantastic to hear that it's just a matter of really just getting them more comfortable with it and basically breaking the ice so because you come from a non-technical background like I think it's probably a lot of, of insight from that alone that I think people find useful so could you talk us through perhaps I mean to start with maybe on the data side what type of data is is useful to make this type of system work well yeah like all all we do we're looking at posted sales invoices and we're just looking at the customer the product what date they bought how much they bought and at what price and we're just looking at the whole history of that for the past whatever number of months and from that the computer is kind of picking up patterns and things it's like we're bringing in simple information to make simple predictions really you know Okay, that's really sounds like that's information that pretty much every business is going to have. Absolutely. Do you find that like that there's other types of data then that they can gather on top of it that makes it useful? Or is that something that you kind of, well, you start off with just using this data first and then you gradually grow it after that? Yeah, like I feel like it's kind of like the, I don't know, 80-20 kind of thing. The invoice sales will get you 80% of the way there. And then you can start adding in information about like back orders and like stock availability and things like that to really get to that last mile. But the first thing is just to get the system up and going in the first place and get that baseline. And after that, look, there's room for all sorts of improvements. Yeah. Okay. And because like with a lot of data science projects, they're uh, managing the data, cleaning it and processing it can be a huge task. But for this type of problem, because a lot of it comes in quite transactional type data sets, what's the cleaning process? So I suppose just to clarify for our listeners, basically what is data cleaning and what type of processes that do you need to do to make the raw data that they collect useful in your system? Yeah. So like number one, like the people we work with would never have to worry about data cleaning, but generally the process is that, you know, we'll, we'll take in all the kind of transactional sales data, but oftentimes there's kind of, there's maybe products that they don't sell anymore, or maybe there's kind of like some non-stock items that they don't really want to know about. So as part of that process, like we, we will filter those out so that we're not trying to make predictions on any of those. And then after that, you know, because even though it is, you know, fairly simple data or whatever, you know we still need to transform it into a, a form that our algorithm can interpret so the first part for us is like we do that filtering then we transform it into a common format and then we feed it into our algorithm to then deliver the results that's something that customers just don't need to worry about like we will pull it in in whatever format is and then we worry about it. it's up to us to, to clean it all and, and put it in the right formats and whatever else yeah 
So David, because as we mentioned, you don't have a software engineering background, I think our audience would really benefit from hearing about what tools you guys started with uh, in terms of like what platforms, what software solutions you were using, then how you progress from that and how easy or difficult it was to get started. So, so like for us, like the, the most difficult thing, especially in the beginning, was this kind of integration idea that you're trying to take information or data from, you know, some kind of source and then to be able to do your data science or your whatever predictions on it. And that in itself is really, really difficult and something that we definitely struggle with at the start a lot. But we came across a tool called Azure Data Factory, which is a tool that 100% made it possible to do what we what we do. It makes it so much easier. Like all we have to do is install like a little computer program on a server in a customer's office, and that will connect to pretty much whatever data source or database they have. And from that, it's so easy to then pull it out and send it up to our server. It's cheap as well, and it's reliable. It's secure. I would say for anybody who's trying to pull data from, you know, maybe an on-premise source or something like that, and you're using Azure, like you have to look at this stuff because it's it's hands down been, you know, a, a game changer for us anyway. Wow, that's cool that it worked out so well for you guys. So so does the data factory handle the analytics as well for you guys? Oh, so the, the difficult part for us is just a, a secure and reliable way of pulling information from the data source because the data source can be can be anything. You know, it can be like a database. It can be like something that hasn't been touched in, in years. And just to have connectors to that and to be able to install it on-premise and then have it be reliable and secure in sending the information up to our server to actually analyze on the cloud. Like that's that's like the difficult part. After that, the analysis stuff, there's loads of tools kind of in Azure, in the cloud and stuff like that to deal with. So it's it's not the worst, you know? Okay, so those, uh, those analysis tools that are on Azure's cloud platform, how easy have they been to adapt and work with? I think like there's there's a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of tools like I know for us, we we rely heavily on something called Databricks. And that's essentially what we build all our algorithms on, all of our, um, you know, as we talked about cleaning, information cleaning, all of that stuff. We do all of that on Databricks and it's something that's really easy to maintain and build on and improve and stuff like that. We started looking in the last while into kind of these auto ML features and those kind of things. And they promise a lot, but like for me, I just don't think they really deliver on, on the hype behind them. Like whenever you first get into this type of stuff, you don't really know what you're doing. You end up feeding in like information in a, in a crap format that the system then tries to optimize for. And then it ends up just giving you crap output. It's just like trying to give you the best algorithm to give you that crap output. And I just think like, unless you know how to work this stuff, it's not going to really deliver the results that you want. So yeah, I would say Databricks all the way, auto ML, no. <laughs> That's interesting to hear because for ourselves, we've tried playing with AutoML before and even having a background in data science, I just personally didn't find it being useful. I, could, I found that I could get a lot better results from using much simpler systems. So I kind of assumed that it might be more useful for people, probably with less technical background, but that doesn't seem like it's the case either. I don't think so. Like if you're going to try and uh, apply like a machine learning algorithm, it's more about like the features 
and stuff that you feed into that algorithm and like how that data is structured rather than like the algorithm itself, I feel. So like AutoML promises a lot that you can just feed in stuff and it will output something else. But like whether it's actually going to be accurate or not, well, I feel like you need to have a much better understanding of, of, of what's going on. Yeah, it really comes back down again to the whole concept of rubbish in, rubbish out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, and we've been saying this for years that data science is really about the quality of the data, not about the analysis that you do with it. So, and that's the hard bit, like trying to twist and turn it into a format that can be then used in a algorithm or in a model or whatever like that. That first bit is the, is the tough bit and like feeding into a, a model is easy, you know? Yeah. Great. Well, David, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, right. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Thanks for joining us again on the Pathfinder podcast, where we're documenting the journeys companies take on becoming data-driven businesses. If you're interested in learning more about how data can benefit your business, join us at the Data Value Hub's launch event on the 13th of April in the Normal Hotel in Carrickmacross. Book your tickets from events at datavaluehub.com. Mm-hmm.